for the most important news of the day we've all hit 1000 views on all platforms and it is all because of all of you guys and all the love that we are getting and hopefully we continue to get it and let's hit 2000 next month and then let's hit 1 million in the month after Welcome to the Thought Bistro podcast with Akhil and Vishra as we deep dive into a variety of interesting and thought-provoking topics. Join us as we explore the world of ideas and broaden our collective horizon. Right, so let's get straight into it. We're coming to you with some news from India. The Geological Survey of India found a lithium reserve of 5.9 million metric tons in the Northern Union Territory of Jammu and Kashmir. This makes India's reserves the second largest on earth, as much as Australia, China, Portugal, Zimbabwe, USA and Argentina put together. So lithium, as we all know, or as we have all recently come to know, is very, very important for batteries. And all the lithium-ion batteries that are being used in electric vehicles, electric planes and so on and so forth. And lithium has to be mined like every other metal out there and it's not readily available in most places in the world. So this definitely does bode for a better future for our electric vehicles. It definitely makes for the prospect of getting cheaper electric vehicles in India in the future because lithium does not have to be imported anymore and it just has to be mined from this particular area. However, this is all some ways into the future as this deposit has just been found. For there to be mining taking place in this area, first, the entire area has to be cleared, the villages will have to be relocated, you know, equipment will have to be set up, the entire infrastructure for mining will have to be set up because Jammu and Kashmir is a little disconnected from the rest of India currently in terms of getting resources out of there and things like that. So this is definitely something that we should see develop in the next few years, but for starters, this is very good news for India and obviously good news for the world. So lithium, as you know, it has become such an important part of our lives. And even if, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is electric cars, there's a lot of other things that are going on batteries. From your phones to your laptops to every device that you've ever used needs some kind of a battery inside it. In India, because there is an electricity problem as well, there are batteries within the houses. We are using lead-acid batteries mostly, but they can be converted to lithium-ion batteries, such as Tesla provides a power pack, which is literally a battery for your house. For industrial use, Tesla provides a power wall, which is like a bigger battery for your industry. So energy storage is becoming like such a core to it that lithium might just be, you know, I don't like to use these words. These are used in football a lot. This is the next Messi. This is the next Neymar. So is lithium the next oil? You know, who knows how that goes? That is making a bold prediction, my brother. I don't know if we want to get into such superlatives yet, but I think we're facing a storage crisis everywhere, be it energy, be it data, be it anything and everything. We are, we're struggling to store things, be it the clothes in my wardrobe. Definitely. I don't know about your clothes. You should buy a little less. We can talk about consumption like we did in our last news episode. So for now, let's talk about the economic impact that it can have on a country. So there's this small nation called Nauru. It is an island nation. It is northeast of Australia. And this country found huge resources in the 1980s in its land. 
now this country allowed different nations to come into their country and exploit their resources and you know they got paid very heavily for it and they just consumed the money away and right now they are etching to be one of the poorest in the world on the other hand an example of a nation that found resources and used it really well is norway so norway accidentally found oil in its waters and that oil right now has been used to form this thing called the norwegian sovereign national fund and what that fund does is it belongs to the people of norway and it invests in every company in the world barring norwegian countries and barring oil companies which is very interesting to think of an oil fund doesn't invest anything in oil and it doesn't invest in any unethical companies such as you know walmart became a case where they took uh, walmart out of the norwegian sovereign national fund and it was a big issue at the time but that allowed the norwegian people to know that at the time of their retirement or at the time when they are unemployed they do not have to be worried about basic necessities or even luxurious necessities because the country's fund can provide for it which was provided by the country's resources so it'll be an interesting follow to see if india does have these resources and if india does use these resources what happens with the money and what kind of economic implications it can have for that country and how the country uses them so just to put things into perspective nauru in terms of its area ranks 194th in the list of all countries in the world it is tiny it is a blip which you will probably not even see on most maps so it is very easy for us to completely ignore it as a country i don't know how many of you would have heard of it before this podcast norway on the other hand is something that we've all heard of it usually tops rankings in terms of happiness charts it's usually there and thereabouts with finland and sweden and countries which are in and around norway itself i think when it comes to standards of living and the ideal life norway is usually in that conversation so we all understand which way we want to go i think the primary thing that happens is that even if the world's dependence on oil goes down even if the world's dependence on oil is finished which is nowhere in sight right now but if that does happen norway is even prepared for that because norway's future wealth and future wealth of that fund and of the people of norway is not dependent on oil companies at all which is a fascinating way to deal with oil money you can go again with oil money you can go numerous ways we can have a complete episode on the whole middle eastern oil domination and what they did with their oil money but it's just a fascinating thought as to where a country with its resources can go economically speaking speaking of lithium and evs again and i guess the european union the, the european union has come out with this new law which says effective from 2035 they are planning to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars so imagine that in the next what 12 years if you wanted live in or if you want to go to the eu and buy an ice car which is an internal combustion engine car which uses petrol and diesel you will not be able to they are planning to go fully electric in terms of their new car sales it's not saying you can't drive an internal combustion engine car but just that you can't buy a new one so compared to the 2021 levels of co2 emission 
even by 2030, any new cars and vans that are sold need to cut down their CO2 print by 50%. And then by 2035, they need to cut it down by 100%. So there is a big boost towards electrification, maybe even hybridization initially for the first five, six years till the time the infrastructure is developed for electric cars. But I think it's a huge step forward for the world because even now there are like a lot more electric car sales in Europe as a whole. Yeah, I think I was reading somewhere, again, Norway comes into the conversation that 80% of the new cars sold in Norway were electric cars. That tells you where the EU is heading. And I think we're already in the age of hybridization. Most models of new cars now from most car manufacturers have a plug-in hybrid or a smart hybrid or some kind of hybrid. You know, kudos to Elon Musk. I don't think much of Tesla as an investment because I think it is very hyped. But that is a very different topic of discussion. However, he has proved that electric cars are cool, electric cars are doable, and electric cars are for the many. Earlier, it was just a toy. Now, it has become like a reality. And I think Tesla is at the forefront creating that reality. I think for the longest time, when you mentioned electric cars to people, Tesla was the only thing they could think about. I think Tesla and EV seemed to a lot of people as the same term for a long time. I know I was in that maybe a couple of years ago before I started actually reading about EVs. I thought the only EVs that existed on the market were Teslas for the longest time. Talking about Teslas, let's lead into the next topic. So, a major issue with electrical vehicle ownership is the infrastructure of charging. And Tesla has dominated that infrastructure. And it is a main source of why people prefer Teslas because you have a Tesla supercharger everywhere in the US and they're building a new one. Like on a weekly basis, you see a new Tesla supercharger coming into place. And dude, these superchargers are so expensive. They cost about, I think, $250,000 per supercharger. But you have to compare it to the price of what, you know, a gas station setup charges. Like how much does it take to char uh, set that up? Oh, definitely. But I'm just, this is one supercharger. So you think of a parking area or a, or a, like a charging bay, which has at least maybe four or six of these. And you multiply the cost that comes to a million, million and a half. It's not pocket change. But they have been doing it and very successfully. And you know... If you're not driving a Tesla and you're driving any other EV, you have to depend on Electrify America network, right? And YouTube videos come out of people and their experiences. Most times, chargers don't work or they don't work at the capacity they claim that they're going to work. Of course, because it's a government project and you know how government projects go because, you know, it's always overinvestment, never optimization. The same as our discussion. Back to our last news episode. And... You know, the news episode, the Socratic debate, both of them have discussed how, you know, government spending might not be the ideal thing here. And this is a proof here. I think you're going to see a lot of us debating these topics, speaking about government spending and things like that, because I think it bothers us personally when we see these things. And we're just like, it is so obvious. Why aren't people doing it? Obviously, it's not that simple, you know, politics, levels, this, that, and the other. This is just two people sitting and speculating in our living rooms. But what the news topic is, we never got to the topic of the news. The news topic is that Tesla superchargers, which have been superior to other supercharger networks, are going to be open to 
other cars by 2024 which is a huge news because you know that gives people a boost to go out and buy more EVs dude i was having a conversation with my dad yesterday about buying an EV in india and he was like oh the charging network is not great and oh we don't need it and oh we don't use it cuz honestly if you think about it i drive maybe 25 kilometers a day which would be what about 10 15 miles which is nothing so i was like yeah but imagine you are not using fuel and he's like no but that's not the point of lithium ion why are you paying so much extra for it and you know it got to a point where i was like there's no point having this discussion we will cross that bridge when we have to and if i am not driving as much i can understand you know not having an electrical vehicle and waiting for india to maybe catch up a little bit in terms of its charging network so that things are more accessible i think it is also very understandable if there were no gas stations on the route you would not be comfortable taking a gas car either and just like that there is a limitation especially with india because even the electric grid network is not at par with other countries as of now it is getting there it is increasing and you know maybe the country is headed in the right direction on that front and let's see where it goes from there dude i was seeing this video on youtube the other day some this guy called matt watson from kawao he did an electric like sort of range test on four cars and this is in the uk and he saw a he passed a fair bunch of service stations and you know charging stations which were as you said with electrify america not charging up to their claimed kilowatt um not being operational things like that so leading from government spending on electrifying america the funniest thing happened eu declares that by 2035 we are going to ban all you know gasoline powered vehicle sales and wyoming lawmakers have pushed to ban all electrical vehicles in wyoming by 2035 so craziness that the this is the government impact on thing you know we make gas cars we have to save the industry of gas cars let's ban all the electrical vehicles when the whole world is moving towards something yeah this is when the biggest car makers in the us like the like dodge and things like that are saying we're not going to make any more chargers and challengers which are their signature v8 gas guzzling american muscle they are now releasing electric versions of those or they will be releasing ev versions of those and there you have up north redneck wyoming country americans saying that no we want our gas guzzling ford f150 trucks when ford when the ford f150 lightning ev which has come out is said to be one of the best electric trucks out there it has a massive battery it has massive storage and the performance is supposed to be unreal like it is their best truck ever in their own language this is what happens when government intervenes into capitalism you know stay away let the world take its course their statement is oil and gas production has been one of wyoming's proud and valued industries and has created countless jobs in the region and contributed to the state's coffers throughout throughout its history every time looking at the history they are trying to make the future you know it is the same argument as you want to create jobs you want to dig a hole give people spoons and you're going to need 200 people to do it i think we referenced this in one of our earlier episodes as well oh yeah chat gpt i think it was one of our first episodes 
I think it is a very powerful story, you know, and the more it settles into people's brain, the better it is because the job creation is not the end all be all of what needs to be achieved. It is efficiency. And the more humans achieve efficiency, the better their life will be. And where on one end you have Norway, who is also an oil producer, not depending on oil. Here you have the opposite end of the spectrum where a state that has based its income on oil and gas is trying to cling on to it. And as we've seen in the past, all those who try to cling on to the past eventually get left behind. So let's hope Wyoming comes to its senses and realizes it's time to jump on the EV bandwagon or get left behind. Talking about oil dependence, why do we have an oil dependence when we can have so much renewable energy? The sun shines half of the day, the other half of the day, you know, the wind is blowing and yet we are still reliant on oil and we are still reliant on natural gas to produce electricity. A major reason for that is storage, as we discussed right in the beginning of this episode, right? And a big breakthrough has happened in storage. Researchers have successfully turned an abandoned oil well into a giant geothermal battery. Now, what is a geothermal battery? Let's first explain that. So, a geothermal battery is a device that uses water tanks, the heat of the earth and heat pumps like you might find in a refrigerator to maintain a reservoir of hot or cold water that can be used as energy. So this is because the temperature underground. Also, most of these geothermal batteries exist underground. They don't exist Overground, they're not exposed to sun, wind, temperature changes, things like that. And the temperature underground is fairly constant. So whatever the heat is absorbed during the day, the soil holds the heat better than the air and releases this energy slowly at night. So the temperature underground remains stable pretty much all year round. So here it says that the Illinois Basin boasts the correct thermal conductivity for the deposition of water heated through excess renewable energy production from solar or wind. Minerals with high conductivity are sandwiched between insulative layers, creating the conditions for the water to retain its heat enough to generate electricity. Many of the same properties that make the subsurface rock formation ideal for oil and gas extraction also make it ideal for geothermal storage. So what they're doing is they're using external energy to heat up water and then like a thermos works, the water is going to stay inside between the insulated layers of rock and stay warm. And then they'll be able to use that warmth in the future whenever you need to use energy out of it. So as batteries work, energy goes in, energy gets stored and then whenever we need it, energy goes out. Just like that here, energy goes in to heat the water and energy is stored as, you know, thermally water retains its heat. And then whenever we need it, we convert it to electric energy. So the study also says that the average net cost of electricity generation is $0.138 per kilowatt hour, making the system very economically viable and profitable. Now, it is a, you know, it is a huge win-win situation. Plus, the thermal efficiency of the whole model is said to be at 82%, which is very high for context. 
and let's see where it goes you know it's another new kind of thing that we are venturing into the research was just conducted on feb 13th they launched the result which is this week that's why news of the week but you know so many there are there are so many abandoned oil wells in the country and all over the globe maybe all of them can be converted to something like this or something like mechanical batteries which we can discuss in a future episode definitely i think oil being a non renewable resource what do you do once that oil runs out that oil well has been constructed it exists so may as well make some use of it and yeah this is again an experiment that was conducted this is the first news of success so there's definitely going to be more iterations more advancements more developments so this is again something to keep following and yeah we will keep you up to date with it we will also follow it and see as and how there's stuff that comes out on this topic so let's go into some rapid fire news sections where we can you know throw out some headlines that you maybe you guys can go and look further into them so one of them that i have is that research conducted by by rmit university has found out how to make hydrogen straight from seawater and no desalination of the water is required producing hydrogen by itself is very expensive and hydrogen as a fuel is best alternative fuel for the current aircrafts and you know it might help for aircrafts to go green faster i'm sure all of you have heard of compressed hydrogen being used in cars and airplanes and things like that as alternatives for petrol so here's hoping that the process of getting that hydrogen so that it can be used as a fuel becomes easier cheaper and greener moving on how many of you have had discussions with your friends about how beer is supposed to be poured i know there are people who will pour it extremely carefully so that there is not even a thin layer of foam that is created i know people who pour it in such a way that there is more foam in the glass than beer so the american institute of physics has released some research as to what constitutes the perfect pour essentially what this group discovered is that pouring beer is too much uncertainty and they're going to remove the process of pouring itself by creating bottom up pouring i think you might have seen this at one of these bars and all where they put a glass on top of a on a stand and they press it down and like beer fills up from the bottom so this company has created a bottom up pourer where the beer's foam phase slowly decayed taking approximately 25 times longer to fully fizzle out than it took to form and they say this through experiment is going to create the perfect pour every single time so there is no uncertainty whatsoever so here's to enjoying your perfect glass of beer there's no fighting with your family about how bad you poured or how good you poured you just place a glass there and you get the perfect pour every time with no consequences making us humans lazier again i love it on a good news for some kids out there there has been conclusive research that video game playing causes no harm to your young children's cognitive abilities study finds and there was an old fear that there are a lot of bad effects of excess video game playing please parents stop stopping your kids from playing video games push them into it there have been numerous studies which are you know 
helping you find that there is no meaningful effect there is no harm to the child in fact children do get better at decision making skills and leadership skills when they take up these leadership roles trying to kill the other team and even though it feels excessive that they are going on these violent journeys by themselves in GTA trying to throw women off of their cars and trying to run over men with their fancy ferraris it's helping them grow so you know who knows where the future lies i think video games definitely help in decision making and there have been instances of people getting jobs after playing video games i think there is this manager of this football club in uh, called reem who is a 30 year old manager who who's been selected purely based on his abilities of playing football manager he doesn't have his coaching badges yet so reem pay a fine of 25000 euros every game he manages 25 or 22000 i'm not sure of the exact amount but they pay a hefty fine for every game he manages and they're doing really well and he's being touted as the new hot young thing he's a 30 year old guy so definitely i guess when you get to that point and you're playing video games to that level there is a lot more to be had but even casually i think it's a great bonding between friends and obviously one should not excessively do it because it affects your other activities but there has to be a balance bro you're talking about people getting jobs based on video games playing video games is a job by itself there's a whole youtube segment where people are just sitting with face cams and playing games and they're making bare amount of money like they're making a lot of money my nephews all day all night watch youtube gamers playing some random games which i have never even seen up i used to watch them you know and they are doing very well there's a whole group called the sitemen which have just built themselves on video games there's this guy called ksi he became a boxer after video game and this jake paul fellow again you know he became a full on fighter and they are doing very well in life go for it yeah man i think it's really taken over young people or i think these youtubers video gamers have now taken over from movie stars film stars actors sports people and all and have become more famous equally as famous one of those things especially amongst kids today so in some interesting news i like how you call it interesting coffee trumps economic crisis as tim hortons opens in pakistan so pakistanis are queuing for hours to grab canadian coffee from the chain tim hortons in a country that as international monetary fund bailout just last month oh they're still desperate oh they are still desperate they have broken the opening day sales of any tim hortons ever tim hortons aka the mcdonalds of canada tim hortons aka every corner street everywhere in canada it is craziness how many tim hortons there are aka mcdonalds of canada and it is getting such crazy love in places like india and in places like pakistan pakistan has no money why are they going out and breaking records for coffee the pakistani government has no money my friend it's not pakistan and the clearer that gets the better picture we get of reality of the world ahmed javed a medical student who used to go to tim hortons while he was living in canada said higher prices don't really matter for the class of people coming here so it's gone from a everyday get grab a coffee on your way to work thing in canada to a high class thing in pakistan i mean what can you talk about? talking about consumption is always a weird topic i just found the news very funny 
Oh, dude, it's hilarious. I can completely imagine that happening, though. I remember, I think it was Zara or Starbucks or one of these chains when it first opened in India also. There were lines around the block for it. Pakistan has an inflation of 27% year on year. And the government has enough foreign reserves to pay for just over three weeks of import. And in that situation, Tim Hortons is selling out like crazy. And you just gotta love the irony. Well, you know the old saying, right? If you want something to be popular in the East, just say it's from the West and people will flock to it. That's a nice way to put it. On a sadder note, there was a train going through East Palestine, Ohio, carrying some toxic chemicals which derailed and caught fire, leading to a lot of these chemicals coming out into the air and the water around the area. That has led to massive environmental impacts around East Palestine, so many that people are comparing it to Chernobyl and the Bhopal gas tragedy in India. This is something that happened two weeks ago, but residents have just moved back and they are still seeing effects of it in the air, in the water. Kids are complaining of headaches. There are pets passing away. There are fish in the nearby river which have passed away by the thousands. So this is one environmental disaster which has taken place in the US and it continues to develop. So let's hope things get better quickly. Speaking on a sadder note, the Turkey-Syria earthquake rescue effort continues. There's a report of more than 38,000 people dying in Turkey and 5,800 in Syria. So here's hoping that Things can get better quickly, more aid can reach these countries and yeah, it's one of the worst disasters that has happened in these areas for a long, long time and in the world. So we're adding a link to how you can donate to the various crises that we have mentioned. Unfortunately, that is all that we can provide in terms of support. But our thoughts and prayers are with everybody going through this crisis and we hope things take a turn for the brighter in the very, very, very near future. With that, we will sign off. Thank you for listening to us and we will see you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thought Bistro podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and were able to learn something new. If you liked the episode, please be sure to subscribe to our show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are available in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and we shall see you in the next one.